Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And, uh, well, conference season. Yeah, yeah, here we are again. We should talk about uh, all the conferences that we're going to be at. I know we do that from time to time, but um, just, uh, we're coming to Prague. Here's my November, buddy. You'll love this. I'm <laughs> actually speaking at PASS at the SQL Server Conference in right. Seattle. Due to the fact that I did, a, I was a guest on a SQL Server podcast where I talked about how to build trusted teams, and apparently that's a thing. So there's a talk I'm doing it pass. Great. Then yeah, it's good fun. It's certainly stuff I've talked about before. Then going off to DevReach in Bulgaria. Uh, nice. The Telerik show is back, doing its thing. So going to be over there doing a little history of .NET and maybe make yep. a couple of shows. Uh, then I'm jumping out to a Code Camp in uh, Chisinau in in Moldova. So, put another rare country cool. under the belt. Yeah, I'm very excited to be able to go there and take a That's look. That's been on your bucket list for a long time. It has. Moldova. You know, uh, the, mostly because they make amazing brandy, but that's just me. Uh, actually, <laughs> serious about winemaking, too. It's a, it's a great place. I'm very excited to go there. And then you and I are together for the update conf in Prague. Yep. I will probably join you next year at... Uh, at DevReach in Bulgaria. That was a lot of fun. We had so much fun there. Back in the old days, you know. Yeah, it's interesting yep. to have it back in the swing again. And then, of course, the big show is the first week of December. Uh, that's yep. Dev Intersection in Las Vegas. And uh, I think by the time this shows out, it will be announced that we are hosting the Microsoft Connect event at Dev Intersection. That is so cool. So Connect was the show that we've been to a couple of times in uh, actually yep. based in New York, but primarily a streaming event talking about new technology and they have uh, reorganized things. Things are, are, are different now. And so they asked us if we could do the streaming part of it. Scott Guthrie, Scott Hansman, a bunch of other great folks at uh, the MGM Gram in Las Vegas. So if you want to so meet, cool. you want to meet those guys in person, you can come out to the event, devintersection.com. Absolutely. Well, let's roll the music for Better No Framework. Awesome. All right, dude, what do you got? Tell me it's cool. It's pretty cool. Every once in a while, I mean, there's so many apps in the app stores that oh, you nice. just can't browse them anymore. You just got to hear about them and, and try them. Yeah, it's kind of out of control, really. It is out of control, but this is one that I think everybody's going to go out and buy. It costs five bucks. Five bucks? But it's so cool. I know, you know, it's either a latte or Tiny Scanner. Oh. That's right. Tiny Scanner is the name of the app. And we'll put links to the Android and the iOS versions. So you basically take a picture of a document and it turns it into a PDF. But what it does is it automatically rotates, crops, and de-skews what you took a picture of. Oh, interesting. So it's, it's kind of, there's a, there's an app called office lens. Office lens is that does that does a mm. great job of that actually. Yeah. Yeah. I have it. It works. It's great. I mean, you don't always a have a scanner. A scanner is kind of a pain in the butt. You have to tote it around and, and this is, you just, you know, take a picture PDF and it's all lined up, you know, like usually you take a picture on an angle yeah. and it automatically skews it and corrects the skew. Right. It's so cool. Very interesting. There it is. Okay. Tiny scanner. Know it, learn it, love it. Get it. Cool. Who's talking to us today, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1581, the one we did in September of 2018 with Mr. Donovan Brown. Talk a little Azure DevOps. That was part of the big announcement of them rebranding to this Azure DevOps moniker and sort yep. of trying to get outside, uh, trying to talk about a, a pipeline that looks beyond just Visual Studio. 
Right. And uh, got a bunch of great comments on the show, but one of them comes from Peter Karangatis. And I hope I got your name correctly there. He said, I love this episode. I'm very passionate about DevOps and I'm constantly looking for innovative ways to overcome the inevitable barrier that exists between developers and the operations side of things. As was said in the episode, many companies set goals that cause division between those two groups by offering rewards to operation for maintaining 100% uptime, which discourages change, and rewards to developers for delivering value through new software, which encourages change. Instead, organizations need to focus on ways to align the two groups to add value through responsible innovation. Yeah. Well can't, said. Can't argue with that. It's about providing value to customers. That's what it's about. So definitely. That's your job. Yeah. Get the get everyone aligned on those same goals and see if those barriers don't break down just a little bit. So, yep. Peter, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of our social media. Because we publish every show to Facebook because we don't publish to Google Plus anymore because it doesn't exist. Uh, and we read it there and put it on the show. We'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. Absolutely. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Please send us a tweet. We turn them into PDFs, print them out, and fax them to each other. <laughs> I don't have a fax machine anymore. Thank goodness. 1979 called and wants its hardware back. <laughs> yeah, and then we read, set it, put them through our OCR and, uh, and re yeah, no rescan them. Okay. Let's bring on Matt. Uh, Matthias Koch is his name. Uh, he likes to be called Matt. He loves clean code. Also, API design and software architecture. He started with Nuke in 2017 after searching for the perfect build system for one of his open source projects. And at JetBrains, he's working as a developer advocate for the .NET department. And you can follow him on Twitter at M-A-T-K-O-C-H-87. Welcome, Matt. Hi. Nice being here. Yeah, great to have you. Thanks. So, this is pretty cool. I went and looked at Nuke and, you know, the... The first question I had was, oh, geez, another build system. But this is different. What makes Nuke different? Well, uh, it's unfortunately not or partly not the name because it still follows this, uh, you know, naming pattern with KE at the end. Uh, yeah. But uh, the make style was already occupied by another build system. So <laughs> I thought like Nuke is like new make tool, something like that. Right? Nice. Um, but what makes it different is, uh, well, it's, it's really like 100% C sharp. Yeah. Um, it integrates as a simple C sharp console application. So I know many approaches out there. I, I certainly don't know about every approach. Uh, but many approaches use some kind of scripting, um, involve some kind of, uh, Rosin utilization, which is cool. Mm. Um, but as a user, uh, and I was going through some, uh, some of those, uh, frameworks myself, um, from time to time, it is cumbersome to deal with such things. And, and in a team, basically, you also have to learn about the new tool and, and you don't need to learn about a, a simple console application, right? Yeah. Because that, Everyone knows about console application. It's basically the first example everyone does. So you basically build with console apps in C Sharp. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. That's cool. That is cool. And it hasn't been done. So um, what's the benefit of doing that? I mean, and I can, it's obvious when you think about it, but let's just go through some of the benefits of mm -hmm. using a console app in C Sharp. 
Yeah, for, first of all, um, the, this cost application can be just a part of your solution like any other project. So you can use your IDE to search for, for symbols, for instance. And that's the next point, actually, because there are actual symbols. So there is no work done to make this this build project, let's call it this way, um, work with your existing tooling. So you you won't have to bother with uh, new extensions for IntelliSense or debugging, navigation, and so on. That that is everything comes out of the box, uses the native IDE support. Um, also, the uh, NuGet package management. So, if you're if you're depending on some other NuGet packages, like for instance, JSON.NET is always the best example. Mm. If you need that, uh, you just add it to your project the usual way. There's nothing special about it. And in the end, I mean that that was the big goal for me um, to have a build system that is approachable to everyone in the team, and that no one needs to learn a new language or um, yeah get to know about a tool or install an, an extension. It seems like a, such a natural way to do a build that uh, makes me wonder: Has it been done before? Is, are there other build systems that you can use the your .NET language of choice and just make console apps? Um, I'm not really sure. I know there are some build systems out there which also utilize the simple C# -sharp project. I was actually coming from the Cake uh, uh, direction, so when I was searching Cake, catch catch my mind, uh, catch my eye. Sorry, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, but at one point, um. I, I had the feeling that, well, there was actually a very simple reason why I started with Nuke at this point. And uh, everything about being a simple console application, that was just just a side product, actually, huh. um, from following uh, a different approach. And um, the, the reason why I was uh, looking for another or, or started with Nuke at this point was the support for third-party uh, comment line tools. So, for instance, like um, like MS Build, NuGet, uh, and so on, so that mm -hmm. you can call this from your from your uh, build script or build project. And at this point, uh, all the manipulation of argument invocations uh, was done manually. So the implementation, and uh, maybe we can talk about this later, but. This uh, was one idea of mine to generate such such code for implementing uh, third-party uh, command line tools. Yeah, it's sort of, uh, I mean, when you're in C-sharp, you have access to everything. It just makes a lot right, of sense. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, how, how exactly uh, is the syntax put together? Well, the, the that is one thing some people <laughs> are a little bit crazy about at first um, but a single target uh, let's say a build step is actually implemented using uh, a property so um, you start writing something like target which is actually the, uh, the type of the property mm -hmm. then the name of the target uh, so at this point also notice this is not longer a string yeah. um, as for, for the name of the target so we won't, won't 
don't need to deal with uh, magic strings. Right. And then follows an expression bodied uh, uh, lambda arrow. And after that, the um, comes a delegate. And this delegate only is used for um, initializing a fluent syntax. So from there on, you would call methods like um, execute, which receives uh, an action, so to so that you can define that this target. Let's 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 use compile for instance. You could say execute, then lambda arrow again, and you say uh, let's call ms build, and that's the implementation basically for this uh, particular target. Yeah, well, let's just define what a target is. But the target is just a single uh, build step. So, a build step. Yeah, build automation basically includes steps like cleaning the repository from from all the files, um, mm -hmm. compiling code and packaging stuff together and, and deliver it to some endpoint. Cool. Things like that. All right. So you have a fluent syntax, which is this dot that dot this dot that, and which is very cool. I'm a huge fluent fan. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and... It all starts from the main method of a console app? Yeah, right. Um, so, like I said, the, it is a simple console application, so we need to define a main method. And that main method is, you actually don't need to worry about that too much, but it is used to define the default target for, um, for the build project. So, MS Build, for instance, has a, has a similar thing. Uh, inside those uh, csproj or, or target files, uh, I, th I think the extensions can be named like every, anything you want. Mm. Um, but usually you can define uh, at top level and in, in the root um, tag, you can define the default target. Uh, usually I think it's built. And that's basically the, um, the same thing in Nuke. Just type safe. <laughs> right. I'm still trying to figure out the distinction between Nuke and Cake here, because don't they both go down the fluent syntax path? Um, the fluent syntax is actually, I, I got very inspired by Cake. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Yes. Um, beside the fluent, we, we do have uh, some new stuff there. Um, we have a call that uh, is called requires. And that also receives a lambda and you can mention a field. Mm -hmm. in that in that call so th think of a target for instance uh, that is called push right and for for push to work we usually need to have an api key right right and um so for the push target we could express that we require the api key the field um to be not null right, right. and uh, this require require call uh, will cause the execution engine to check this condition prior to execution. So instead of executing clean, compile, pack, and then push, and then you realize, okay, there's no API key. Instead, you get the the error message right up front before anything was executed. All right. I love that because you're saving people time, right? You check those requires yeah, up right. front. So answer me this. If the first require fails, will you check the subsequent requires? Um, I think not. No. Okay. So I mean, you still you still have this trap of, all right, you were missing this API key. All right, you put the API key and build again. Oh, now you're missing this API key. Like I I do love when you can call something like that and it goes, here's all the things that are wrong. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. 
you know, now that we're talking about this, I do remember talking to Gary Ewan Park about cake yeah. in 2016, but I never used it. So, but yeah, I have forgotten that's kind of a DSL. Well, it, it, you know, at the server, you can go, okay, C-sharp DSLs, but you can make DSLs very different from each other too. So, I'm mm. keen to sort of get this. Matias, you're clearly passionate about you doing something fundamentally different here that maybe pe- folks coming at this have the same problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, I had uh, the the project you initially mentioned where, where I was looking for for a good uh, build system. That project actually um, used fluent syntax to another level and a little to, too to fluent, honest, maybe. This was, this was almost, <laughs> too fluent. <laughs> that that was almost almost too much. Yeah. yeah. So uh, well, one thing I got from that time, um, it was actually a test test framework or basically a framework to build test frameworks. And uh, one thing I got from this time was to try to integrate with native tooling as, as early as possible. Okay. And I, th- I think that that's also what, what Nuke is about. Don't reinvent the wheel. Use stuff we're already using. Yeah. And are you using um, a reflection to, to do some of this fluent stuff, or is it all predefined? Yeah, we we are using some certain kind of reflection. Yes, for instance, to uh, to detect all the uh, targets that are implemented. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, Nuke also um, provides a common um, a global tool. So the the stuff you can install for from the uh, .NET Core SDK since version two point one point three hundred or something, mm. um, you can install that global tool. And using that global tool, you can call, for instance, nuke-help, and this help dialog from the console will tell you all the uh, targets that are actually implemented. So this is also a big benefit because we can use reflection just to discover implemented targets. We also can do this uh, for, uh, like I mentioned, this API key. I I think that that's also a big thing. Because if you want to pass an API key, the only thing you would need to do is to declare a field that's called API key and put an attribute before it, which mm. is called parameter. And this will also uh, show up in the help uh, documentation. Nice. That's good. Hey, Matt, just uh, hold that thought right there for one minute while we take a few moments for this very important message. Hi, this is Richard. The Dev Intersection Fall Show this year will be December 3rd to 6th in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand Hotel. The lineup is awesome. Scott Guthrie, Scott Hanselman, Scott Hunter, yes, all the Scots. But also a ton of great industry speakers for some insight on what's coming up in the world of .NET. You know, Core 3 is bringing client technology like WinForms and WPF into play. Could it be time to migrate your existing desktop apps to this new technology? Come learn more at Dev Intersection, December 3rd to 6th in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. Go to devintersection.com to register and use the code .netrocks to get a discount. All right, we're back. It's .net Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. That's Richard Campbell. And that's Matthias Koch, or Matt, as he likes to be called. And we're talking to him about Nuke and uh, the fluent syntax, the benefits of that. And, and uh, uh, do we have to use the fluent syntax? Um, actually, yes. So for this to work, I, I think I never asked myself that question, but fluent syntax is good to use here. Yes. Yeah. But like you said earlier, it can go too far. You can get a little crazy with fluent syntax. 
Um, yeah, I, okay, I, I know what you mean. Uh, so the, the thing is, if a certain build target gets too big, um, and we're actually doing this inside our build project for the, um, for the website. So to build the documentation, if something gets too big, you can just extract all the logic, the existing logic into another class. So you don't oh. really need to, to keep, uh, to, to stick to that fluent syntax and implement everything there. You can just extract a new class implement logic there we're actually doing this with, with the web project and using monocecil um to discover all the um add-on packages um because we're trying to put everything in into their own add-on packages and we're discovering uh implemented tasks also from those add-on packages and create the documentation from that using monocecil and is monocecil actually tied to mono or will it just run against uh, the .NET core um, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't really know. How are you using it? Well, we are using it just for, um, some kind of reflection, actually. Okay. So, um, it's just to in introspect all of those existing NuGet packages or unwrapping the NuGet packages and then inspecting those, uh, .NET assemblies. And, and not that the average person is going to care about this because it's a, this is totally under the hood how you do your stuff. But yeah. I think often when people hear mono, they're like, ooh, do I want to get involved with the mono framework at all? But it, it doesn't matter in this occasion, in this, this situation. No, no. The, the, this is only part of our personal implementation for, for the web documentation. Right. Yeah. It is the art of being able to parse through a .NET application and figure those sorts of things out. Yeah, right. Not, not an easy problem, actually, to do well these days, it seems. <laughs> not so much yeah no well you know we have too many flavors of net it seems you know they, they don't all work the same <laughs> yeah but it is worth uh noting i think that um nuke uh, allows to use different kind of bootstrapping approaches mm -hmm. and so um one approach is to use the net framework um or mono mm -hmm. so it works cross-platform I, I think we didn't mention that so, right. so far um, or it can also use the .NET Core SDK um, as bootstrapping. Interesting. And that will take care of compiling the build project. So, so there, there is a build.ps1 and build.sh file still uh, for the builds, uh, bootstrapping. And that will take care of compiling the build project and then executing the, the build project. So you do have a choice of what compiler do you want to, to compile your, your, uh, your build yeah. system with? Yeah, there is a choice. I mean, I, I would still always recommend to use the .NET Core SDK. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to use the .NET framework, mm -hmm. um, especially since it's evolving quite quickly. I mean, the, the .NET, .NET Core, Core SDK. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from my point of view, the .NET Core SDK tooling is, uh, is much better in this case. But, and correct me if I'm wrong here, there's no reason you wouldn't use .NET Core to, to build your build system to build a .NET standard framework app. That works. Yes. That and, works I, I, and I hope that's yeah. an important distinction for some people because there's lots of folks out there aren't prepared to move for, to Core for a variety of reasons, starting <laughs> win forms, <laughs> and, but might want to be able to use this build system. And so, you know, here, get a little .NET Core experience. It's just use it that way. I don't know that you'd want to do your build system with .NET Standard. 
Yeah, that's true. We had some some reoccurring uh, issues with people because you there there is a wizard uh, mm -hmm. implemented in that global tool, and that will lead you through the initial setup uh, for a build that should be added to a solution. Right, right. And there were quite a few people um, get, who got confused with the uh, with the choice between .NET SDK. Uh, core SDK and .NET Framework, and they used the .NET Framework because they had .NET Framework production code. Right? Sure. And so we're actually thinking about removing that and make it a little less, less discoverable. Um, I mean, the choice for .NET Framework, because usually I think from from my experience, um, it's uh, it's not really necessary to have that. Yeah. Right. We, we, and this seems to be a transitory time too, right? I mean, .NET Core is going to continue to evolve and get closer to parity with standard. And at some point, it's just going to, it's not going to matter. You're going to be able to work either way. That's just not the case today in the fall of 2018. Yep. Just not quite there yet. Yeah. What about VS Code and the other ways to build .NET these days? Uh, does does uh, Nuke play with those? Yeah, so, um, like I said, extensions are not really necessary. So debugging and refactorings work out of the box. Mm -hmm. Um, but for IDEs out there, like VS Code or, yeah, I'm a fan of, of JetBrains Rider, of course. For obvious reasons. Um, yes. We do have additional extensions that will improve, um, the user experience a little more. Right. So for instance, in VS Code, you will have a code lens provider. Uh, that will show you little links to either debug or run a target. In JetBrains Writer or ReSharper for Visual Studio, you would have uh, the execution of a target integrated in the Alt-Enter menu. So whenever you're inside the body of a target, um, you can just hit Alt-Enter and either execute or, or debug that target. And you usually also have the choice to... Um, include or exclude dependencies. So, because that, that is an important thing, right? If you're, sure. we're working on a target and you, and you want to make it work, then usually you have this feedback loop of trying to execute only the single target several times. And, um, these extensions can help you achieving exactly that. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Happy, maybe not. I'm going to go back in time and throw Matt's father off a bridge so he's never born. Then yeah. I'm going to come back and play my favorite first-person shooter game, Duke Makem. <laughs> Jeez. Which was followed by Duke Kakem. That uh, is an opaque reference you're making right there, brother. <laughs> Just that is. <laughs> and it started with murdering our guest. There, there's a yeah, path. I know. When you lead with that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anything will be funny. Everything's going to be fine after this, though, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's actually time to give away a $200 Amazon gift card, compliments of Progress Telerik, to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you about the most comprehensive developer toolkit for building modern apps on the market today, Telerik DevCraft. With more than 1,100 Telerik.net and Kendo UI JavaScript components and controls, you can easily build modern, high-performant web, mobile, and desktop apps, as well as chatbots. The toolset also includes reporting solutions, automated testing, and productivity tools, and comes with a range of support options. New this year is a free online training program for all license holders. 
With this, alongside thousands of demos with source code, comprehensive docs, and a full assortment of Visual Studio templates, you'll be up and running with Progress Telerik and Kendo UI tools in no time. Download a free 30-day trial now at Telerik.com slash download. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Brian Bedard. Congratulations, Brian. I'll clap for you, sir. Hope I pronounced your name right, Brian. Sorry if I didn't. But Brian just won a $200 Amazon gift card. Compliments of Progress Telerik. Just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you'd like to join, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you got to sign up if you want to win. All right, Matt, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what do you think you'd buy? Um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. I actually got everything that I need. Uh, so I got my nice little MacBook Pro, uh, the smaller version. Uh, I would like to, to convince Apple to... <laughs> to build a one that fits more memory uh but i guess five thousand is not enough for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so but but the thing that i really like uh i'm, I'm a big fan of those anchor uh power banks yes. Oh, yeah. yes they can charge they can charge the macbook uh one time full uh with the bigger power banks and i would probably buy some more of those yeah like 30 of them <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to keep them on a rotating power charge, right? So, yeah. <laughs> while your first five are being charged, you can use the last one that was being charged and just kind of rotate them. You know, I love those things too. Oh, yeah. Anchor products are great. But, well, Anchor figured out that you can build premium USB stuff and we will buy it. Right. And the one thing is that it charges these things charge faster than if you plug them into the wall how yeah. does that work well they just i mean your wall charger has a certain amount of power that it puts out right a certain amount of watts yeah but these things just crank it up well they go they always go to the absolute limit i'm still looking forward for them to build a more well um fle flexible usb charger um i have one that has uh, the mini usb the lightning and usb c as output nice. so that's not not an anchor product and I, and also i would love one of those with the shorter um well in a shorter version like just like 30 centimeters or something right yeah. um but yeah let's see yeah they t they tend to not work well with power strips because they take up two spaces. Yeah. Now uh, I've got uh, my anchor block, which is USB A, USB C, has proper power cord on it, and that, and I like that. You make you only take up one outlet, and you have flexibility. Yeah. And that little nice. that not only does that thing charge fast, but it's got six ports on it, so it's like in airports you make friends. Yeah. You know, yeah, somebody's yeah. somebody's hogging the charger with one little plug in it, and you're like, hey, let's all charge and charge fast. All right, so let's get back to this. So how are third-party tools integrated, MS Build, NuGet, and the like? So for third-party command line tools, we use some kind of code generation. Okay. Because basically the idea of having an object in C-sharp and translating that into a command line invocation is like a problem that can be solved for 
all command line tools at once, right? Yeah. Um, the only thing that differs is the actual metadata about those tools. So for instance, let, let's pick an example. In MS build, you can pass the argument, um, slash no logo, for instance. We have a JSON specification file, uh, that defines no logo as a, as a C sharp property. So we have this also with, with initial, uh, upper, uppercase letter. No logo. The type of this would be a boolean, and also we we uh, put the information there about what should be uh, what should be added to the comment line invocation. So in this case, it's slash no logo again, and this works well for all kinds of arguments that can be passed. So for instance, also for setting the targets that should be built by by MS builds. Uh, in this case, we even hide the information about the separator. So as a user, you don't need to worry about those separators. Um, you just call add targets, for instance. Then you name the first target, like, let's say, clean, uh, as a string in this case. Mm -hmm. Then comma for a second params uh, string. And then the second, let's use compile. And behind hmm. the scenes... Behind the scenes, this is concatenated using the right separator and is invoked with, with msbuild.exe. Nice. Nice. In this case. Yeah. Nice. Another big thing we, we save into those specification files is the official documentation. So, uh, let's say you're on a plane and you don't have uh, internet connection. Okay. Planes sometimes have internet connection, but let's say you don't have internet connection. Mm. You can just use Nuke to also discover all the APIs that, that a certain command line tool offers you. So you just hit dot and via IntelliSense, you get all the documentation for targets, for instance, and you will know, okay, this, these targets are actually invoked from MS build and um yeah it will just do its job or you can you you don't even need to search for you, you can just play the guessing game right so yeah. if you if you forget about okay how was this called with package analysis and i don't exactly remember how this was called you just type uh analysis for instance and it, it will show up in intellisense hmm. nice yeah that's cool so that that works for supported tools. What if a tool isn't supported, like you want to use something that doesn't quite fit yet? Yeah. So it's usually the um, the same approach as we do. If a tool is not supported, we can write some uh, JSON specification files, and those get get passed to the code generator, and this code generator will cr will generate a bunch of code. Uh, from those specification files. So, for instance, okay. um, I think I think for the Docker implementation, which which we uh, already offer, uh, we have a, an amount of generated uh, lines of code. I think it's the the source file is more than five megabytes. I think, and that gets compiled just for for the uh, big goal of providing a nice and clean API. Yeah. Um, so, in, and also for, for things like Docker, I, I, I would like to mention that we have a great, uh, tool chain of automatically fetching the original repository, for instance, Docker or mm -hmm. the Azure CLI or Kubernetes. We are fetching the original, uh, repository, converting 
information from from their repository into our specification files and those get uh, generated or, or those will generate the actual code that is used from the end user okay but this is always just part uh, or this is always just necessary if if you really want to have um, this nice fluent syntax for manipulating third-party comment line invocations um, in all other cases, uh, I think it's still possible to just use something like process invocation. And we also have a, have a task, uh, for that actually. Right. Ah, the old process. Standard <laughs> in, standard out. Start process. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we've now put all these ingredients together for a build process. And then I guess you compile it, right? It gets built. Yeah. What is that? So what does that look like? Anything special in the generation process? Ah, for the for the code generation. Yeah. Well, um, it depends if it should be an add-on that is that can be used from other people. Of course, in this case, um, there would be a dedicated repository which mm-hmm. compiles the add-on and then it gets packed and pushed to NuGet. If you're using, for instance, an internal tool in a com- that only exists in a company, um, in that case, you can just put the specification file into that build project and the generated code or the code will be generated uh, just before compilation. Right. Yeah. So and, and then it's for, is it just part of the project at that point? At this point, it's just part of the build project. Right. Yeah. Mm. But if you actually want to build an add-on that would be shared across projects, it's got to be a bit more complex than that. Yeah, exactly. And th- and that's really great. Uh, I, I'm I'm really proud of the work from uh, my other team member because we're two people working working on that. Uh, so Sebastian is um, fortunately uh, not available today. Um, but he's basically managing all those uh, third-party add-ons, so like the Azure CI, everything that I mentioned already. Mm-hmm. And he did a re- really great job of um, implementing this this uh, chain of 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 actions because. Every time, for instance, NSWAG releases a new version, there is a new bot, uh, or this new bot is a, is a dedicated uh, GitHub user account. Right. And this new bot will automatically create a new pull request uh, for the NSWAG add-on. And if we want to release a new version of our add-on uh, that, that complies to the NSWAG release, then we just merge that pull request and automatically uh, we have a new up-to-date add-on uh, version for the NSWAG. That's cool. Yeah, and, I, and I'm yeah. looking on GitHub here. Obviously, you're the principal contributor, but Sebastian's the next one in line. And clearly, the two of you have been collaborating for a while here. But the, he, uh, the, he came on a little later, it appears, just looking at the data. You got, you got to a certain point in the project where his particular skills obviously became valuable for, for dealing with this stuff. Yeah, well, he was uh, contributing some stuff um, in the last year already, mm-hmm. but was then busy working on some other things. And as soon <laughs> as there was some time, he was actually joining. And and it's it's great having just uh, also having someone to dis- discuss things, right? sure, because that is uh, one of the. One of the uh, big goals uh, I have I have in mind to support all the various use cases people have on their minds. Like if if someone uh, we we have a Slack channel for that, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes people are coming and 
uh, explain their use case and I'm really uh, keen uh, to provide a, a good solution to everything that uh, people uh, talk about. Yeah. So for instance, um, there, there are also some ideas that are coming from the community. Just, just recently, um, someone was trying to implement their build in a global tool that gets just installed on the uh, developer machines. Hmm. And that was just, at, at first, it was really like confusing because I had to wrap my my head around this but but then I started to to really see the the value in his particular case and this is just just great yeah it's got to be interesting to be exposed to all the variations of how people want to build their software yeah yeah exactly it's very yeah. very cool and it, yeah it, I guess it's important to remember you guys both have day jobs too right like this is your side hustle it's a side project yeah, yeah. Um, mm. but it's, uh, also kind of a little baby, uh, that you, that you can see grow. Mm -hmm. And, um, for me personally, I'm, I'm really happy to, to see this, uh, success so far. Also being here on your show or last year, I've, uh, I've been to a conference in Moscow presenting all that stuff. And that is just, uh, great to see that people, if people like it and they get, uh, they, they give feedback and so on. It's great experience. Are you looking for more contributors? Yeah, definitely. And if you wouldn't have said it, I would have totally forgotten. <laughs> um, we are definitely looking for contributors. Um, it's always, helpful to to receive feedback and if it's just documentation i mean that's the usual thing people say um but i'm really interested or well, both of us we're interested in new opinions and and thoughts of what could be made better um so like i said we're really trying hard to to satisfy everyone's expectations from from a modern build to build tool and, and just yeah. as a guy who looks at a lot of github projects like i really appreciate that that you and sebastian are pushing issues into the stack as well and rather than just doing them yourself and we found out on a later and the few first timer options too so folks who want to get involved there's some easier simpler items to pick up and work on yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I've got this idea from, uh, Scott Hanselman mm -hmm. back then. And, uh, and unfortunately, I think there was not a single one that, <laughs> that was picked, but maybe after this, this show gets, gets, uh, published. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's important to give some, some ideas for people, uh, who, who would like to join, join us, um, to, yeah, start with something easy. That is um, that is easy to grasp and sure. easy to implement and yeah, and easy to put on. But you know, it's it's got to be simple for you and Sebastian to just go have a cup of coffee, talk about some features, and go work on it. the The idea that you're you're putting them through is issues so that anybody can participate. That just that's good leadership of an open source project, Matt. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Great to hear. So, what's next for you? What's in your inbox? Um, for Nuke in particular, I think we are, 
Well, there are two things that I would really like to uh, like to see. Um, the first is in those extensions, and I think um, JetBrains Rider will be the first to have a tool window that always visualizes the current uh, dependency graph of mm-hmm. the of the builds. Um, we actually have that currently already, uh, but it's just, it's in the background, it's using mermaid.js and it will generate an HTML report that just, that will just open in your browser. Um, but having that in the IDE would be just, just great, actually. I yeah. mean, I, I would really, really like this. It's some kind of little toy, maybe. Um, but I, I think, uh, we can do this. And um, the second thing would probably also be a Visual Studio extension to have uh, something like Code Lens in, like in VS Code, the Code Lens, uh, the same in Visual Studio. Yeah. But I think this was only released like a couple of months ago. Um, so, and and the API from our point of view uh, was not really convenient to use, at, at least at this current point. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe the, the issue here was that we don't have the semantic model in the second process for the code lens, uh, provider. And that was possible in, in Rider, for instance. And let, let's see, either we will stick to just text processing, which would also work. We are doing the same thing in VS Code. Um, but having the semantic model would be, uh, better, of course. Awesome. But those two things are basically the next step. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you. This is great. And by the way, the website is nuke.build and you can get to GitHub from there, but there's some really great screenshots and and some it's a good website. Cuz I got to think build nuke would be a very different thing. We shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's never going to get unfunny, is it? <laughs> Never. Never. You, you made the <laughs> choice, Matt. You went with that name. I totally get it, but boy, it's going to cause some trouble. <laughs> yeah. At, at this point, I, w- I wasn't, I didn't know uh, what dimensions it would take. On. <laughs> oh, and now I can't go back. So nope. You're, you're in there. Not so easy. Yeah. You. Well, I'm, uh, I got to go because I got to kick up beer and play some Duke Kakem. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks again, Matt. It's been great. (laughs) It's been really great. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and of course in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.